Hey everyone, so this week we're going to do a deep dive into effective course design using the BOR technique. BOR is an acronym for Value, Objectives, Agenda, Application, and Review. And if you follow the structure in your learning opener, you'll have a far more effective and enriching experience for your audience. And it should make your course design faster and easier. It's a fantastic discussion with lots of really great ideas. So let's get started. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott and Dan are making it lots of fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're going to keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh, yeah. Hey, folks, welcome back to another amazing episode of your fabulous learning nerds. I'm Coach Shooty, and we have a awesome show ready for you. And to help us give you some great knowledge. We've got the man, the myth, the legend, Dan Coonrod. Dan the man. Oh, yeah. Hey, Scott. So the man, the myth, the legend. I feel like each week it's getting like a little bit bigger. That's the point. <laughs> is, that, is, that, is that the game? Yeah, thank you. Dan, Dan has figured out the purpose of all that so i i really appreciate that um well i mean you're no longer the president of your own fan club that's good that's good that's a lot of responsibility it is a lot of responsibility how you doing you know i'm fair to midland fair to i midland. expected as much that was yeah fantastic yeah cool all right great hey also to help us uh drop the knowledge the duchess of design the queen of learning abby dawson <laughs> Abby, you're smiling just a little bit, which means that you are um, not a fan of the Duchess of Design label I just gave you. I'm just trying to think how how I could put it on my LinkedIn to where people would. Um, I would put it. it right at the top of your profile. <laughs> you know where you've got that. Um, you know, I'm Abby Dawson, Duchess of Design, Queen of Learning, on the Fabulous Learning Nerds. I bet you a lot of people would want to connect to you and try to sell you stuff. So, you know, you got that going on. Always good. Which is always, always fantastic. Hey, no special guest this week. No emails this week. So we get to get right into a nice groovy discussion with the intent of teaching and learning. Uh, and are you guys super excited for it? Uh, yeah, every day. Okay, let's try that again, because I think we're <laughs> lacking energy, um, and we want to promote the energy within the show. Yeah, yeah. Are you guys super excited for the topic of the week? Woo! Uh, yeah, every day. <laughs> no, man, I'm super pumped. You know that. Like, literally, we're, we're the design nerds. Like, that's our thing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to quit while we're ahead. Hey, everybody, let's gonna go ahead and just get right into it. Um, and talk about the topic of the week for this week. Topic of the week this week, ladies and gentlemen, is a design philosophy that I have carried with me for many, many years that I'm finding that 
a lot of people don't know, and it's really going to help you think about how you design your stuff, or at least the intro to all of your learnings. And so we are going to embrace the VOR. <laughs> Okay, it's not a roar, it's a VOR. It's V-O-A-A-R, which is an acronym, ladies and gentlemen, for Value, Objectives, Agenda, Application, and Review. And those are the things that you need to include in, include in every one of the introductions to your learnings in order to have a more effective product. And so I'm going to go ahead and let our good friend, Dan the Man, talk a little bit about uh, you did some research, which is awesome. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I tell you what, this was actually one of those things where you're like, hey, this is what I want to talk about. And you and I have talked and you've brought it up for as long as I've known you. And I was like, man, yeah, OK, like, let me do some let me do some digging. Let me do some reading. We were talking about this in the pre-show. Looking this up was actually pretty hard. Finding its origin, tracking down like the industry where it comes from. We see a lot of talk and use about it in like the process improvement world. But you can see it brought up in Scrum and agile like this is one of those things that's got its fingerprints throughout many different industries where anytime you're trying to enact a change you're going to hear about this you're going to hear about value objectives agenda application review that is fantastic i googled it because i want to be smart right like i know this like i i taught i taught this i i adhere to it i i counsel people on it all the time and oh okay well where did I, I can't remember where I first found it. And I don't think anybody ever cited anything. So I went and I Googled it and didn't get much, right? So I appreciate the fact that you actually found stuff on it. Abby, you didn't find much on it either, did you? No, I didn't, which really surprised me. It is so unusual to come across something so um, thoughtful and intentional that works so well. And, and it's brand new. Like normally you'd hear these floating around in all the circles. So I was excited actually, that I didn't see anything. I was like, we're going to do something new. <laughs> I'm going to learn stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I really think that's cool. And I love the opportunity to talk about stuff because it is really kind of basic. And um, But it's so, so impactful. Uh, you, the, the, uh, the way that I was taught about for, we really went to this guy named Gagne. Gagne was a, uh, a learning theorist and he had what was called the nine levels of instruction, right? So if you're going to, design learning for people there are nine things that you need to think about in order to make sure that you're really um conveying what you want to convey and, and get people to do what you want to do right i mean at the end of the day we want people to change right we uh, we we want people to change their behavior we want them to do different things and so the interesting thing about the nine levels of instruction is the first three all point back to value, objectives, agenda, application, and review. And that is pique your audience's interest. That's the value part. Inform them of the objectives and, and what we're going to be talking about. That's the objectives in the agenda. And then stimulate prior learning. Hey, uh, what, what did you bring to the class already that you can apply here? And that's the application and the review part of the board. So... I'm just super pumped that, that we can talk about it. And I, I'm, it's my hope that to some of you that this might be new and it will at least give you a foundation to think about how you want to design stuff. Because truth be told, been there, done that, you know, 
somebody gives you a task that you got to put stuff together, you just start throwing content together. And I think that if you have a foundational grounding around the vor, which is what I would recommend that you're, uh, you're going to do a better job at it. So let's begin, shall we? We'll start with the value, the beginning. That is to stimulate the interest in your audience. And Abby, how do you approach value as an introductory positioning statement within your learnings? I always think about why am I asking the learner to give me their time and attention? Uh, because it takes effort. I'm usually asking them to do a training or spend time with me um, instead of going and doing something that makes them money or makes them um, engage in their passion. If, if, if the job they do is something they're really passionate about. So I've got to make it worthwhile. And if I don't put that up front and make it authentic and honest and approachable, then everything I do after that's just, for the birds there's what's the point um so it's just a fairness of coming together um this is why i want to take some of your time i i think it's worth your time no i i couldn't agree more i I think a lot of times we've talked about this before a lot of designers get stuck in the rut of of having a captive audience like a group of people who are part of a training program and so that what's in it for me idea that with them idea gets lost if you're not presenting the value to your learner up front first thing it's so easy to check out for everything else it's so easy to be like uh-huh 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 no i couldn't agree more yeah i love that you brought out the WIFM, and i find it unusual that so many people still don't know what WIFM means like every time i drop WIFM, i have to pause you guys know what i mean right like, what's in it for me like if there's no WIFM for your audience you're done Right? I'm, why am I here? Oh, I still don't know why I'm here. I'm done, especially in today's age. You could maybe have gotten away with it 20 years ago. Uh, For those of us that have been doing facilitation for a long time, you maybe have gotten away with it, but not today, especially in ILT, instructor led training. I'm sitting in a classroom. Uh, There's so many distractions. I've got laptops, cell phones, I have access to everything. You better give me a why I'm here right away you better capture me right away or i'm out and then that's a bad thing yeah so often i've i've faced um challenges to to having it like it's specific and and spelled out and scott we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started recording that um that the right kind of agenda the right kind of setup matters so much and being very specific in it is worthwhile like I've had people say, well, they know what it's for. They know what the WIFM is for them. And if they don't, that's on them. And I'm like, I don't think that's fair. I, and, what, and I think that the value of doing it is so much greater than, uh, than the time and effort it takes to actually put it into it. So I think it's a worthwhile thing to be very specific and prescriptive and upfront, assuming that people know or that you know that what, what they're giving up is, uh, is a mistake. So what are some creative ways that we can deliver a value? Like, it's one thing for me to say, hey, everybody, you're here because this is important because, right? So here are the numbers we want to attain, and this is important because. Like, I mean, I get it. That's a pretty straightforward with them. The opportunity is that it came from me, right? So the most powerful answer to any question is the one that I come up with on my own, always, 100%. 
And those people that are awesome at facilitation know that. And they're going to lead their audience to come up with the answer that they want without telling them. So do does anybody have any really creative value statements or hooks that they've used um, that might inspire our audience to do similar stuff? You know, what I really like is I like opening not with like a statement or even like a, a direct like what's in it for me, but a discussion. A dis- like opening with a question that's purpose is, is to bring a discussion so I can bring the learners in and the discussion's going to be about what's important. Like, okay, if we're going to talk, you know, about, I don't know, sales and like how to get better sales, my question's going to be about, hey, how are you guys getting good sales? And then I'm letting the learner in that discussion build and establish their own with them. And so I don't have to like struggle with like a, okay, hey, with this with them, like, is this going to hit everybody? Am I aiming for like my 60%? Am I aiming for, am I going to stretch and try and get the 80% of my audience? And am I, am I aiming for like, who am I dropping on? Am I dropping my bottom 10, my top 10? What's it look like? Instead, I can open up with this discussion. Everybody's going to establish their own with them. They're going to state it. They're going to talk about it. And then when I move on to objectives, I'm like, hey, look, here's these objectives, guys. We already talked about bop, 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 bop. And we're going to keep talking about those going forward. That's great. I love that. I love discussion questions as a, as a way to open up a learning. Certainly is a lot better than the, hey, everybody, let's go around the room. Tell me your name and what you do. <laughs> By the way, we found that new studies have found what we've already kind of sort of assumed. That's a real terrible way to start a class, um, a real good way to, to uh, disengage your audience almost immediately. I think just being very uh, clear about an agreed upon problem is, is usually the way I, very specific. So like we are here for a very specific reason that we, we all can agree on is, is affecting you in such and such ways. Um, I think, I think being too um, vague in the beginning or trying to be like surprising to the, I think it's, it's maybe a fun exercise. I don't know how effective it is. I've seen that sometimes where they're kind of, we're going to lead gently in. I don't love that. Maybe I'm too uh, black and white in my own thinking, but I, I just like to be very upfront and honest and specific at the very beginning. Great. I used to fall back on the movie clip opening. So you find some relevant movie clip where the audience can discover the answer within the clip, and then you come back to it. It, it was an incredibly fun way to deliver value uh, and have a discussion um, it, 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 without taking up too much time. And it's super duper easy because I don't have to do any work. I just got to show a video clip. A really good example. <laughs> really good example that I did for leadership development. I did this all the time. So, um, fabulous learning nerds. I'm a nerd. So, um, at one point in time, I was deep into Star Trek. Huge Star Trek guy. Uh, if you come see the uh, man cave where we record in, I've got autographs from Star Trek folks all over, right? And in Star Trek Generations, there is a scene, the opening scene, where Captain Kirk is on the Enterprise B. Yeah, if you're not into Star Trek, I'm sorry. Just bear with me. Uh, And uh, Cameron, Captain Cameron, I call him Captain Cameron because it's Cameron. I don't know what his name was. He gets into a situation 
where he needs to take risks. And the whole point of showing that clip was to get to the end quote um, and really kind of set the stage. Because what I wanted to do was set my new leaders up to begin to think about their role, the importance of their role, and the importance of taking risks. And of course, at the end of, uh, of a good three-minute clip, uh, Captain Kirk is really fighting back the opportunity to be a mentor. Uh, and then Captain Cameron comes in, what would you do? And he said, uh, you know, risk is part of the game. Do you want to sit in that chair? Boom. Clip's done. What'd you guys get from that? And then we have a nice little discussion of it. So if, if you've got the time and you really want to kind of dive into it, and there are books, great movie learning clips. Just don't show Rudy in front of a thousand people, right? Not a good idea. <laughs> I like that. And I'm going to eat my words from just a minute ago. I think part of why I don't like trying to be too clever is I don't have a lot of confidence in myself. But I think that your example there, I love that because you're letting people immediately aspire to accomplishing something very important and significant through the training. And I like that. So that was a nice moment for me that you just gave me, Scott. Well, thank you. Uh, You earned the gold (laughs) star of today. You could do that with any any learning topic. I had to um, teach follow through, and I showed a uh, clip from um, the uh, the penguins from Madagascar. The penguins from Madagascar are just so so structured. They've got a plan. They've got plan B, C, and D ready. Like when things go sideways, they know what's going on. And I showed that with the intent to give people the opportunity to talk about how important planning was and how important follow through was. And it's a funny as all get out clip and it's a minute and a half, right? So you can do that with an uninspiring moment as well. So uh, plenty of opportunities to go research movie clips. I love it, especially in today's world where, boy, man, I've got to inject something into a virtual learning where there's some fun. And for me, just catching my audience off guard with a, a, a penguins and Madagascar clip or a Captain Kirk, uh, you know, motivational stuff that that I can really get them to buy into where I'm at and create good value. So, have you ever thought about the power of stories? We are as humans, we we live. Um, stories are a very important part of our lives, and stories can be really great value openers as well. Right. Um, The best stories are the ones where the audience member is the hero of the story. Like we're going to tell a story that involves them. Imagine that you were this. And at the end of that story, they are the hero within their own story. That that's one thing I challenge my trainers all the time. Like, think about that. But stories can be anything that can kind of share a point. Like we um, we we train on a product all the time where there are tremendous stories out there. Um, And there are stories all around. People love a good story. So if you can master the art of finding stories that can deliver with them um, and master the art of storytelling, which I think is a really lost art, uh, those make tremendous value statements. Too. Could not agree more. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, was, I, was, I agree too. And, and I'm going to share a little nugget from my uh, past life. So years before I ever got into anything training or retail, I actually worked as a private investigator for several years and um, had 
had some pretty cool training too. My father is retired FBI. He got me into PI work. Um, I went to interviewing and interrogation techniques training, like legit, this is where they send detectives. Um, and, and so I learned some really cool techniques and storytelling is an incredibly effective, nurtured skill in, um, interrogation. They use it to build trust with the people who they're, uh, trying to get confessions out of, um, with that same purpose of we're all people, stories tie us together, stories allow us to see ourselves in different ways as heroes. Um, but one of the cool things about it, and Dan and, and Scott, you guys have probably seen this as you were doing leader-led trainings in the past, it's not just about scripting the right words. It's about reading your audience and knowing when now I can push, now I can go. I've got them. They're with me. Um, and that, I think, doesn't get enough good press. And the best leader-led trainings and now even virtual trainings, learning how to read that room, that's going to be so incredibly valuable in those storytelling skills. A hundred percent. It's First off, you were a private investigator? That's fantastic. <laughs> Oh, those are all other stories, but yes, we are yeah. Big trouble, man. We are I know. Big I know. Like trouble. Reevaluating everything. Now, um Do you guys know of Joseph Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces? Or Hero with a Thousand Faces? I've heard of it. Please uh, expound, sir. It is so it's actually a book I've suggested many people on teams I've worked with pick up. Just because it is like, hey, this is how humans have been telling stories for thousands of years and here are these narrative arcs that get repeated over and over and over because they work because they have stories that we care about and it's very similar themes over and over and what happens too often in our super polished super scripted instructional design content world is people are like oh you need to write some stories and then we go okay cool this is so and so they're having a hard time they did this, and now things are better. And I can't tell you how many times I've looked at someone and been like, well, that's a terrible story. Well, but I, I have a character. I have, like, the, the bad thing. I have what they did, and then I have a resolution. And it's like, yeah, that's boring. Like, I don't know how they really felt. I didn't know them. I didn't know, like, their success. I was like, all you jumped right into the things were bad, things got better, this is why things got better, the end. And no. uh we could talk about story and narrative design forever, but 100% I agree. In the audience, if you guys haven't picked up Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces, I highly recommend picking up, giving it a listen. It could be a slog in some places, I don't want to lie, but it's fantastic. That's great. Just so remember, if you're going to tell a story as part of your value, there's got to be a hook and it's got to tie back to the audience back to what you're trying to accomplish it's got to add value i was reviewing some work the other day people were telling stories in um you know knowledge retrieval part of questions we're going to set up here's a question and we're going to make it relevant by telling a story so they told the story bob's dad was playing basketball he, he took a three shot and he you know and he strained his 
he strained his uh strained his back and that's really bad but there was no tie back to why that was important there was no tie back at all to what we were trying to accomplish within the question that came after that story and that became a really irrelevant dumb story and when you do that when you when you do that you inadvertently alienate your audience that's worse right so love stories let's be purposeful about the stories let's be creative with the stories i when i get the tingles when i when i'm writing my value and i'm part of that tingle is the story i know i'm onto something like ooh right but i'm also an empathetic nerd so you know we've got that going for us other thoughts on value otherwise we're going to move to objectives when i think about objectives what what comes to mind so actually let's do a pickup because i didn't do that very well all right three two all right let's move on to objectives when you think about objectives what important thoughts come to mind i just went through a training uh with my new company um it's their very basic onboarding training um it's a young program so i i'm not being super critical they did a lot of things right but one of the things that we I think they could have done better. A couple of people thought as well as objectives. Just tell us what we're supposed to be getting out of each day. They don't have to be super high level. They don't have to be uh, deeply thoughtful. But, you know, on Monday, we want you to meet everybody. On Tuesday, we want you to find out what the structures of the business are. On Wednesday, we want you to get to know the teams you're going to be working day to day with. Simple objectives like that would have really helped us be more mindful when we approached each morning. So um, when we gave that feedback, we were like, don't overthink it. <laughs> it doesn't have to be super complicated, but um, it just gives people an idea of what they're walking into. I love the way you phrase that. Just giving people an idea of what they walk into. Uh, uh, Scott, I think you and I have talked about this in the past. I have something slightly controversial to say. I think for the most part, objectives and objective statements in instructional design are broken. I think uh, after decades of reliance on Bloom's taxonomy to like build up a, a verbiage language, we've managed to build really boring tools that disengage our learners on slide two. And I love the idea and I love what objective statements and objectives are supposed to do. They're supposed to tell a learner exactly the way you described it, Abby. Upcoming. It should be kind of like the back of a book. It should be like a few statements that say, we're going to do this. You're going to learn this. And this is how. And we already talked about why, but maybe I'll restate the why if you need me to here. Instead, we end up getting just, I, I see it all the time, three bullet points. You will recall this you will do this you like all of those super technical verbs that as instructional designers i go i know exactly what that person meant i know i know that's what i'm looking for as i review this course i can dive in and be like yep they did those things but as a learner i'm gonna go why didn't they just say remember why didn't they just say talk about and for instructional designers like step early in the process maybe not step one but probably like step two or three is writing those objective statements so I know what I'm building. And I have no idea why that raw thing makes it into our material. All right, I'm going to go ahead and pick this apart, but I'm going to 
I'm going to back up. So Stephen Covey wrote a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It should be required reading for everybody in high school, to be quite honest with you, because it really dives into how to be more effective throughout your entire life. And I believe it's chapter two, or habit two, is begin with the end in mind. Like, what do we want to accomplish? So before I even start writing objective statements, I've got to think before I even start writing my values or anything, I got to know what I want to accomplish. What needs to be, Lisa Wallace, you know, what needs to be new or different when we're done, right? So if I'm clear on that, then the objective statements become, should become very simple for me. And they should be something that, if delivered correctly, can be exciting for the audience. I always write my objective statements to be behavior-based. So, hey, we're going to, this is why this is important. So I'm in. Guess what? Now you know why it's important. You're beginning to think of what are the behaviors that are going to help me get to the finish line and be better, right? That's what I want. At the and I always start with at the end of today's training, you will be able to behavior what demonstrate or explain or offer or build a mouse trap, whatever that is. If as long as it's an action statement or it's a behavior statement, I believe that if if that's done right, that I am encouraging or enticing my audience to actually get excited about what's coming on. That's my goal. Or at least give them an understanding of when I get done, that I'm going to be able to be doing different things. I love that. I love that it's about the learner. So it's not, I'm going to tell you how to do this. It's you're going to be able to do this. And yeah, uh, I think about the example you give for your company. The, the only change I would make for the objectives that you had are, you know, at the end of day one, you're going to be able to explain the values of the company. At the end of day two, you're going to be able to navigate the org the the org charts within the organization to be able to tell how they all communicate and work different together. Yep. To me, I'm like, oh great. <laughs> I, I that's awesome. Now I know what's expected of me. And then that's baseline for engagement, right? So I'm I know what I'm gonna learn. I'm super excited about it because it's tying into the whiffing that you gave me with that groovy penguins clip. And now <laughs> I know what's expected of me when I'm done. Because we're just not doing this to waste your time. We're doing this to improve your before performance or improve you in some way. And these are the expectations that we're going to lay out. And you're all going to meet them if you pay attention. Great objective statements should do exactly what you're laying out. They should say, like, this is why you're here. This is what we're going to do. This is the goal. But they also, I, I will say, I wish we strove away from Instruction or desi- instructional design language when writing them. I wish we used learner language, which is not the same thing often. Okay, give me an example between instructional design language and the learner equivalent. If, if I'm going to say at the end of this course, you should be able to recall this information, right? That's a very dry statement. It's very plain. It's very upfront. Like, hey, you're going to be able to recall this. But if you're hanging out with your friends and at any point you're like, hey, guys, after I lay this fact on, you guys are going to be able to recall it. <laughs> you need new friends. That is a terrible objective statement. I agree with you. We're way off into objectives deep. I apologize. No, but, objectives but, deep is good. But I, I would say it's a, it's a problem larger than just 
objective statements. I, I think it's a problem with back to that we're used to having a captive audience. So when we're used to being instructional designers, and I think a lot of times we should be doing exactly what the goal of objective statements are is we should be telling learners what's coming up and what's going to happen and what they'll walk away with. But I have found that on the back of a paperback way better than I've ever found at the front of a deck. You know, I just think it just needs some finessing. And if you focus in on the behaviors, you can change it. So like if I were to go ahead and take your recall, like what do I really, really, really want my learner to do? Not re- I don't want them to recall anything. Honestly, I want them to be able to explain it to somebody else. That's a great objective statement. All I did was change one word and or the intent around what I wanted them. I'll challenge you both just a little bit. Um, I think it goes back to knowing your audience because you might be able to say at the end of this course, you should be able to to recall X, Y, and Z if you are talking to an audience of attorneys, right? You wouldn't use that language if you were talking to uh, a, a young group of folks who are learning how to sell um, at a grocery store uh, to give away samples at a grocery store. So I don't know if it's necessarily right or wrong to say we expect you to recall. I think where the issue comes in is, is, is this the language I want to use with the audience? And it just ties into that thread of, of the WIFM and, and all the other things we've already talked about. It's about the learner, not the, not the teacher. That's a really good example. I like that. You're right. I will, I will come off the edge a little bit. If I, was, <laughs> if I was writing for a group of lawyers or a group of instructional designers, which I have created content for instructional designers, and 100%, it's like, all right, let me make some instructional design safe and sound objective statements because that's, that's our unifying language. The, the, the challenge that I would give out is just make it as active as you can. Yeah. Passive objective statements are wishy-washy and they're phoned in, right? They feel phoned in like, oh, you phoned this objective statement in. No, at the end of this learning, you're going to be able to build a mountain out of a molehill or, you know, maybe that's a terrible thing, Uh, but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I 100% agree. That's a great objective statement because, you know, how do I do that? I 100% agree exactly with that, is we should be writing interesting and engaging objective statements. We should be writing active in- objective statements because, and I think, we're, I think the only point where we're differing is, I think we should be writing objective statements focused in our learner's language, not in our instructional design language. I, I agree. And the other thing that I would add on there, I would just... Be bold in your objective statements and, and challenge your audience. Like, for example, in sales, at the end of this training, you're going to be able to offer the product. I have coached people all the time. That is not good enough. You're going to be able to offer the product with confidence to every customer every time. That's bold. That's a bold objective statement because any Tom, Dick, or Harry can just offer the product. But it takes a lot more finesse to offer with confidence. There's that entails a level of instruction that's going to follow. It's going to be really important. I am now intrigued. What does that mean to me? Yeah, I'll say this though, Scott. You better deliver. 
<laughs> your training better get them to that confident place. But I agree. I I wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> yeah, but you've never seen me train heavy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just uh, I I I completely agree that training should be bold. Um, but one of the things I I look for when I when I want to bring on a team is can you deliver? Like, are you bold? You're bold enough to write it. And, and tell your your learner they're going to be in that place. But can, can you push yourself to create that great content? Oh, absolutely. You're but you're stuck. If you're doing your obje- objective statements after the fact, you've done it wrong. Content should if if you've got a clear objective at the end, all the content should support it. Those objective statements get written at the beginning of of your process, and then all the content follows through. And I see so many people they just build the content and go hmm. What objectives can I pull out of this content? Well, you've done it wrong. You've done it completely backwards. Begin with the end in mind. What do I want people to do differently? And then write your objectives and then have supporting content. Yep. All great stuff. And and we could talk ad nauseum, Daniel, about uh, bad language. I, I can't. Well, that sounds like another show. Uh, so we'll have to get there for sure. Very quickly, like uh, the agenda. What do you guys think about the value of the agenda? You know, so we talked about this in objectives a little bit, like laying out what to expect. And if we're talking about from like a learner perspective, like that agenda of like, this is this is what's going to happen and this is when it's going to happen. So that way you know what to expect. And you, for in very long courses, you know, like, oh, like oh, I, that that's really applicable to me and I really need to pay attention here and stuff like that. Uh, I, I love as a learner, I love having an agenda. I love having something in my hand or print it out. I prefer something in my hand. I know during COVID times, that's not a big thing anymore, but I do like the little handouts so I can open it up and look and be like, okay, cool. We're here. All right, cool. So if I'm planning a, a busy day or I'm planning around this training, this event, I know what to expect. Yeah, I agree. I think it's only fair. I think if you plan on taking somebody's time, you ought to tell them how, how it's going to be used. But I also think agendas really ought to show how they build um, and why they're in the order they're into. I think that helps people pay attention. I think it helps people stay engaged. And um, I think that that's how most information happens anyway in in learning. Um, It should build. And so being really thoughtful about your order should go without saying. But (laughs) I think it's super important because if you don't give me a roadmap as to where we're going, I am now lost, and I love your idea, Daniel. And by the way, you can still have your learners print out at home their agenda and have it in their hand, right? I should know where people are going. And oh, by the way, a great learning with a great agenda keeps the learner engaged the entire way. Like, I know where Abby's going next. I can see it, and I pay more attention to it because of that. As soon as I get lost, I'm checking out. I'm on Facebook. I'm I'm watching some TikTok, right? I, I'm totally not not on board. Really important to let your audience know where you're going and why. And I love what you had to say, Abby, around this whole idea of it's gotta build. We gotta build an importance and, and people can see that's the most beautiful thing. If I put my audience member hat on and I can see the threads of everything that's going on, our you know, our brains are making millions of connections every second. And we start to make those connections and that's where the magic happens. And that's where facilitation becomes even easier. 
if, if we've done that job at the beginning and allow our learner to go on this journey with us and make those connections, the agenda is a critical part of that. Um, the last two pieces I'm only going to spend about a minute on, and, and that is this idea of application, which in my mind, as I was taught, is this idea of like, hey, how am I going to be measured today? Um, and we hope that we can add measurement in everything that we do. At the end of this, there's going to be a quiz that might be just as simple as like, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to have to take a quiz. If there's no application, it, it's not as strong of a learning. So try to find an opportunity for, for application. I think until you do it, it's not real, right? So <laughs> until yeah. you can prove to yourself and others that, that you, you're capable, I don't know where the value is for you. Training without a test is, I, I don't know. It, you need some sort of application to follow up, whether that's a test or proof that they've done it. Yeah. Role, role play could be application. Hey, yeah. at the end of this class, we're going to get together and we're going to practice. That's application. By the way, it's setting my audience up like, ooh, because I, I get it. We should have a, an episode on role play because it's really not that bad. We got to figure out, you know, everybody hates role play. I, I like to call it skill practice, but they still know it's role play, right? So I'm gearing up at the end of this. I'm going to have to perform, so I need to pay attention, right? Um, and the final part is review, and that's stimulating prior learning. And the way it was taught to me is just, what questions do you have? Which, by the way, I think it's a really powerful way of asking that, right? So, hey, Abby, do you have any questions? No. Nope. How about you, Daniel? Do you have any questions? No. Abby, what questions do you have? Um, well. <laughs> okay, yeah. all right, you've proven my point, right? Yeah. You know, it's the, can you help me in a department store? Like I run from those people. Like no, no, it's a terrible thing. Uh, you know, does anybody have any questions? The the universal answer is no. If we assume that people have questions, just a great thing. If you're a facilitator out there, virtual or otherwise, change the way you ask that question. You will find dramatic, dramatic changes in uh, your audience res response to you. No, I I love what you brought up. Uh, it should always be what questions do you have. If you if you wrap up a course, you wrap up a training, and nobody has any questions, as a facilitator, as an instructional designer, you goofed. People should have questions. That's a sign of engagement. It's proof in the pudding. Yeah, and it's a great place for discovery, too, as a designer or, um, or someone putting the training on. I want to know where we could have done better or where the gaps were or what you absolutely loved um, and would want to do more of. And you don't get it unless you ask. Absolutely. So, folks, that's it. That's the VOR. <laughs> kind of nerded up our roar there. You know, I love that drop. <laughs> we need to find an excuse to use that drop more often. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. twist my arm, right? Yeah, I, I know. I know it's tough for you. I know. It's a terrible thing. VOR, value, objectives, agenda, application, and review. Hey, folks, if you um, enjoyed our discussion and want to add your best practices around the VOR, around the intro, or how we uh, use it to design stuff, please email us at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. Uh, until then, let's go ahead and move on to our Leadership Minute. Time for Coach Shooty's Leadership Minute. You know, there's an old saying that he who tries to control everything controls nothing. 
which leads into my leadership minute for this week, which is all about delegation. Folks, if you've got a team, you got to be challenging that team. You better be utilizing that team. You better give them opportunities to learn and to grow and to get better. Because if you try to do it all yourself, you're not going to get anywhere. Good leaders really follow this idea of decentralized command, which is growing their people up to take more responsibilities and uh, make more happen. So, uh, hey, go ahead and delegate and do it today. And that is my Leadership Minute. How's that, Daniel-san? That was, like, quick. I mean, I love that. Uh, I could drop a joke here about control is an illusion. But, uh, dude, it is. are you saving up, like, all these? Like, there's 13 extra seconds. So next, next week, you can have a Leadership Minute in 13. No, I don't think I get rollover on my leadership. <laughs> Peek behind the curtain. Daniel actually has the opportunity tonight to go mentor some people. So we want to make sure that we wrap things up. So that's why I was a little extra fast on my leadership minute. That being said, Daniel. Yeah, man. Why don't you go ahead and tell our audience how they can engage with us. 100%. Guys, if you haven't already, you can reach out to us via email at learningnerdscast at gmail.com. Emails, questions, join in on the discussion. We want to hear from you. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can find us at Learning Nerds. And if you're on Instagram, Fab Learning Nerds. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Abby. As always, that's going to be it for our show tonight. Hey, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button. Share this podcast with your friends. We want to grow our community. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Stitcher or any place that allows you to write a review, please leave us a review. We want to know how we're doing so we can improve the show and get it out to more people. Until that, my name's Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Abby. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. 